When the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority or speak about Himself, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that He will come and take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit came. Jesus said, I must go to the Father, and it's good that I go. If I do not go, the, the, the Comforter will not come, the Spirit of Truth. And the disciples didn't understand that. He says, he's the Parakletos in the Greek, means someone just like me. Muhammad is not the one after Jesus, contrary to what people say. Joseph Smith is not the one after Jesus. Gandhi's not the one after Jesus. I'm not the one after Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit was coming after Jesus, the Parakletos, the one's exactly the same parallel. And he would guide the church. See, Jesus, as a man, had to sleep, had to eat, lived in Jerusalem. If I wanted to go and speak to him, I had to catch a plane, go to Jerusalem, wait up the line. No. The Holy Spirit is with us 24 hours, seven days a week. The more we're willing to spend time with him, the more he's willing to teach us. Amen? We have 24-hour access to the throne because of the blood. Amen? 24 access. 24. We come boldly with confidence and assurance to the throne of grace because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? See, we need to have some things settled in our life because if I don't understand that I'm forgiven, that I'm loved, and I'm on a journey with Christ, everything you get here after that is a waste of time because you don't have no foundation of who you are. If I spent most of my life trying to be a son to my parents, and they say, but you're our son, and I spent all my life trying to win my parents' love over, just want to be your son, I just want you to be my dad, but you already are. Imagine how hard it is to try and be something that you already are. Because there's no way to fulfill that. There's no means to the end. Amen? So we need to understand who we are. Now here, the servant Jesus, oh sorry, the servant Jesus, yeah, and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to read a story here, and I'll get AJ to read this because I don't want to bore you. It's a pretty, in Genesis chapter 24, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It speaks about Abraham, Isaac, and he, he sends a servant to go get a bride. So, and, and you've got to back up a bit. There's three ways, or there's many ways, but a lot of people think there's three ways to read the Bible. Some people believe the, book, the Bible is just a book of philosophy. We intellectualize it. We read it. That doesn't make sense. That makes sense. And we try and, and read it from a philosophy point of view. Or some people read it as a historical book. It's just stories and narratives. Heard the other day that um, in a Christian school that Adam and Eve is not real. It's, an, it's a religious truth. It's a, an allegory. It's just a story to point to a truth. So I gave him 20 scriptures back. I said, if Adam and Eve didn't walk this planet, Jesus was never here. I never heard back from him. Um, I actually did that once with, I mean, she might be here anyway, one of our nieces, she was at school and the teacher said that Adam and Eve is just a story. So I sent her all these scriptures about the begots. And if Adam was not real, then Seth wasn't real. And if Seth wasn't real, went through all, then Abraham wasn't real, then Mary and Joseph weren't real. Anyway, she said, I'll get back to you. And she's married with three kids now. She still doesn't go back to her. <laughs> Two kids, actually. I added one. <laughs> or you read the book with, with a spiritual meaning. Now, some people want to spiritualize everything in the Bible and make it say something it doesn't say. But the Bible is a spiritual book. And when we read something, we don't need to let the Holy Spirit teach us, but there's foundational truths in the Bible, like there's patterns in the Bible. And you'll see a pattern repeat itself in the Bible. We know that, um, well, I'll give you an example of this. You know, there's, there's a thing called the law of first mention. I'm not a theologian, but I, I, years ago I heard this. And I didn't know what it meant, but as time goes on, I was talking to someone. I said, I see, I see in patterns. They were arguing about baptism once. And, you know, can a, you know is it infant baptism? Is it baptism this? And, there's ba and look, we'll look at the pattern of the Bible. Where do we see that? See, some people want to say, well, it doesn't say you can't. I say, okay, but it doesn't say you can. It, What's, but what does the Bible say? Repent and be baptized. You hear me? We see repeated patterns in the Bible. You know, I said to a brother on the weekend, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What does that mean? He goes, I don't know. And I said, well, let's have a look at what a lamb means. And he goes, wasn't that mean because it's nice and fluffy and calm and peaceful? And No, no, it's, it's lamb chops on your barbie. That's what it could, I could look at it that way too. 
I said, and he didn't understand that the Jews used to kill lambs and goats and sheep. And said, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a pattern in the Bible. That's when John the Baptist said, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. To all of us at those days, we would have known what he meant. But to a Jew, he says, what are you trying to say? Because they understood the Lamb to be the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. It's called the law of first mention. And I, I had this, I, this is not me, but I'm going to read it for you so you understand. The law of, it states that the first time any word or subject is mentioned or introduced in Scripture, it establishes an unchangeable pattern which remains constant in the mind of God. It's an indicative indication sorry, that there is something very important to learn. We know that when Adam sinned in the garden, what did he do? Knew he was naked, so he said, I want to cover my shame and guilt, so he tried to sew up fig leaves and cover himself. That's the first religion on earth, the fig Fig tree of religion. So I want to cover my shame. And God says, no. And he kills the animal. First time the blood had to be shed. And we know that's a pattern throughout the Old Testament. Amen? That's what it means by the law of first mention. So I want to show you a picture here in Genesis chapter 24. I'm going to get AJ to read it. So just, AJ, can you read from verse 1 to 10? Because it's a very long chapter. And uh, the floor is yours, mate. Now Abraham was old, uh, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Sorry. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and go to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. Awesome. And we keep reading later, but just for the sake of time. So Abraham's getting old now. Now the servant that he speaks about here is Eliezer, who was the one that when he was saying to God, you're going to give me a son because it looks like I'm going to leave all my inheritance to my servant. That's his loyal servant. And he had, he had rule over all the land and all the inheritance. And now he's telling him, go in and, um, and go, because I want to get a wife for my son Isaac. Now, you have to understand something. You, put your feet, you put your hand under my thigh. And it's interesting that, you know, when we make a deal, we shake hands. <laughs> he put his hand under his thigh. But it actually was in, in that culture, in order to make a covenant, and this is an interesting covenant, they used to put, if, if a guy made a covenant or he adopted a child or someone, he wanted to bring someone into the family, they would put their hand under the thigh now towards the groin area where the reproduction area is of a male. And that was symbolic that from now on, you're from my loins. You're my flesh and you're my bone. In other words, even if they adopted a child, that's what would happen. So here he made a covenant. So listen, you're going to make a covenant. Because it's very important to Abraham here that his son had a wife. And then he made that covenant and he put his hand under his thigh, which means he put it in the groin area. And I can talk, teach about that another time because it gets technical and it gets a bit, you know. But it's about... That from now on, from the loins, because what was about to happen here, you've got to understand, Abraham was promised to be the father of many. True? Before all this, Abraham is a type and shadow of God the Father. See, Abraham means exalted father, and God changed his name to Abraham, which means the father of a great multitude, or the father of many. And he, he said to him, from your seed... From your seed, the nations will be blessed. Who was the seed that would come from the lineage of Abraham? Who was it? Jesus Christ. Because he said, look at the stars of the air. 
And look at the sand on the seashore. If you count the stars, can you count the stars? Can you count the sand? That's as, as much as your descendants will be. He's looking at it like, that's crazy. I can't, can't count the stars and I can't... And I can't um, I can't count the sand. The stars represents the spirit-filled Christians that will one day be grafted into the, to Abraham's um, promise. We have all, if you're not a Jew here, um, you, we've all been grafted into the promise of Abraham. So you had natural children, which is the Jewish race. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to what? Israel, and now we get the, his sons, which get the 12 tribes, and you have the nation of Israel. Out of that comes Jesus. Jesus comes, and he's the savior of the world. Amen. Amen. So he's the exalted father, and he wants to be the father of many. So here, it's very important. So they make a covenant together. And now, the Bible talks about him. They don't mention the servant's name, even though we know who he is, because he mentions him in the, chapter, in the Genesis 15 and 14 and 13. But here, he's going out to get a bride for his son, but he's not named. He's just called the servant, the manservant, the man, the man of God, but he's not called by any name. If you want to go back a step, Abraham represents the father. We know that when Abraham took Isaac, carried him up the hill, with the, uh, they carried the wood up for the sacrifice, and he says, kill your only begotten son. He gets up to the mountain, about to kill him, guess what happened? God says, don't touch him, there's a ram's caught in the bush. You know that, we've spoken about many times. That's the law of first mention. There you go. That he wanted to offer his son and then he provided a sacrifice so Isaac would not be that sacrifice. But he carried the wood on his book and walked up the hill with his father to type and shadow that one day that Jesus Christ would walk up Calvary's hill with the cross and die for the father and the father would kill him so the punishment of us that we deserve would be upon on him. Are you with me? So here he sends him out to get a son. So Abraham is a type of the father. Isaac is a type and shadow of Jesus. Now the servant is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is the part of the Trinity. He has no name. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. He's the comforter. He's the helper. Why? What did we read in John 16? You don't have to go there, but I'll quickly read it. He'll only speak of what he hears, or what is mine, and give it to you. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into that truth and he will only speak of what he is, but not his own authority. The word authority means he doesn't speak of himself. So the Holy Spirit's job is to manifest Jesus Christ in us. Are we asleep? The Holy Spirit's job isn't to make you shake and dance and fall and do somersaults. And if that happens when the Holy Spirit hits you, so be it. When I first got saved, I was so sensitive I was a catcher. I think I shared this. I was a catcher. And I'm, the guy goes, he, I don't know what he did. He prayed and then I fell. And the guy standing there goes, like I wrecked the whole night for everyone, you know. I was so sensitive to the Holy Ghost. I remember, and, and where's Mary? Mary can testify to this. The first time I got, it was funny. Oh, let me tell you this funny story. All right. So we had a Wednesday night meeting and I was with my sister-in-law, Mary, and I was with, I think Meruen was there. Meruen, he's always there. Like, oh my God. And he had the camera filming. I think, you know, anyway, I think Mary went up for prayer, and I, that was in my early days, so I didn't let anyone pray for me. I was going to a church, we were just searching things out, and, and you know, praying for Mary, and Mary standing there, and, 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 and I'm standing here, you know, big hero, like I've got my Bible on my arm, going there, and then they want prayer, I'd go, no, thank you, I'm going to walk away, you know? But this time, for whatever reason, I'm standing there watching Mary pray and cry and snot running down the nose, and I go, all right, enough, let's, can we go home now? I'm joking, all right. Anyway, I, I got the Bible, and he goes, would you like prayer? And I went, yes. <laughs> So I put my, and he grabbed my hands and bang, the Holy Ghost hit me. Uh, she can testify, I think I wiped out half the front row. And that's when I got filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And a couple of weeks later, whatever happened then, I started to speak in tongues. Amen. And, yeah, clap. And that's why I'm standing here. That's, so it's the Holy Spirit's fault, all right? So, but what I'm trying to tell you is that God will send the Holy Spirit to do His work. Now here in this story, if you keep reading, he says, what if the, the woman won't come with me? Do I take your son back to your village? Because he wanted to marry someone from where he was from. See, Abraham, you've got to remember, Abraham's the type of the father, but on earth, Abraham was a Gentile. 
Abraham was a pagan idol worshiper. And when God called him, he called him out of his nation, out of his, his family, and out of his religion. See, sometimes we don't want to pay a price when God calls us to himself. But Abraham says, I've got to go, and he left. And now, he's called the father of faith because he believed, he's the father of our faith because he believed by faith. Then later on, we know that Moses comes and brought the law. So now we've got a man of faith, a Gentile. Then we've got the Jewish people from the line, which with the law comes. And now, when Jesus came, what did he do? He came, he was a man, he was a man under the law, a Jew, and he came to find the bride. Who's the bride of Christ today? Can you speak louder? I can't hear. To church. He came to find. He was with his own. His own did not receive him. But those who do receive him, they have the right to be called the sons of God. Amen? Amen? So this is a type and shadow of what Jesus has done. So he now, Abraham sends him. So it's just like saying this. The Holy Spirit, the servant, went out and he says this. It's very interesting. He says, he goes, I'll take 10 camels, camels and if anyone knows anything about camels, none of us do here, but anyone knows about camels, you can carry a lot of load. He took 10 of them and loaded with gifts. And they went to a certain spot where he was supposed to go, to the well. Now look what, if I could, the servant gets there and he prays. And the servant prays that God would bless his master. Not bless him. See, sometimes we do things, and what's the benefit for me? See, if God asks you to do something, do you do it because he's asked you, or do you see the benefit that I'll get out of it if I do it. See, most people give financially because they want to get a blessing back. And I'm not saying God doesn't bless. But what is the motive? See, he came and he prayed, Father, he said, God, bless my master and let it be according to your will that he is blessed and prosperous and Isaac. And he says, this is the deal. So he prayed and exalted God and says, you would bless my master to have made a covenant with him. It says, now I'm coming to the well and there's a city there where people come and draw water and girls and family girls come from the villages to get water. And he says, this is interesting. He says, when, the, when they come to pitch their bucket in the water, let her ask, I'm going to ask her for water. If she gives me water to drink, if I ask her for one, and my camels, that might be the one for Isaac. Imagine you're at home and go, how did you find her? My bride, is oh, I did a deal with God that if she gives me water and makes the camels drink, she's the one. <laughs> and he says this, and when, the, when they came out, Rebecca came out. She put her water, her pitch in the water. She says, would you give me a drink? He says, of course. So she puts it in there, gives it. He says, and I'll also get some water for your camels. This guy was so excited. That she's the one. And he goes to the camel and he gets some gifts. It was a nose ring. Okay, don't go get nose rings tomorrow. But, and there was bracelets and all these gifts he put on her. So this is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit sent out to prepare the bride for who? Isaac, the bridegroom. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is doing today? Preparing us for the bridegroom. What does the Bible say? There's a lot of things. What does the Bible say? <laughs> He's coming back for a bride without spot and blemish. We are the bride. And the Holy Spirit's job, and you want to go back, back a little bit more and say, everything God asks you to do isn't so, Tony, I really need you to go to Brazil, and I really need you to go down the road to pray for that person. I really need you to preach Sunday. No, no, no. That's part of what we do, but He's preparing me and my heart so I could be solid in him. So when he returns, he comes and grabs us and takes us home. And he's doing the same thing for you. But what we've turned it all into is, well, I don't like this, I don't like that. It should be this, it should be that, do this. No, no. What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? Here, the servant goes out and he's obedient. And I love what it says here. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak of himself. And here it says here that, that the servant was in control of everything. And he says... What did Jesus say? Everything I have is mine. I'll give it to you. Here he gave everything over to the servant. He said, all right, take what you want, but this is what I want for my son. 
And the Bible says that she accepted, she got the gifts, then she went back to her family, told her brother, her brother came out to meet him, they brought him in, he stayed the night, and they says, yes, marry him, marry this man. And she left and she walked a journey with the Holy Spirit, where? To go and meet her bridegroom. She's on her journey. Guess what? We're on a journey. We haven't seen Jesus face to face yet. We, don't, we haven't seen heaven where we're going to live in the Father's house. But we're on that journey. And guess who's walking with us? The Holy Spirit. Can you see the picture here? Can you see the picture here? Never once in this book, and if you, honestly, go and read the whole chapter. It's a very long chapter. Never once you see that the servant was about him. Because what she did, Rebecca, is what we all should do. When Jesus touched my life, I couldn't wait to tell someone about Jesus. What did she do? She couldn't wait to tell her family about what this servant, this man had done for her. In other words, it's a type and shadow of you're not saved just for yourself. You're not saved because, yeah, you might have been through some traumas. You might have been through some hell. You might have been through some, 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 some disasters in your life. And you've come to Christ because you were broken. Praise God, he'll heal you. But you're not meant to stay there. You're meant to get up and go and get the next generation. Because he's the God of the generations. You're not meant to stay, well, what more can I get? Because, you know, I'm, no, no, you're meant to say, okay, I've got some issues, Lord. But while I walk with you, I'm going to do what your will has called me to do. People say, I don't know what my calling is. Love Jesus. See, everyone wants the gifts. Because you keep reading, he gave gifts to the brother, gifts to the family. Oh, he was loaded. Plenty of gifts. And it's interesting, if you read back through that, when I got to the well, he kneeled down to pray. And the camels kneeled down to pray. Not to pray, but they kneeled. Speaks of repentance. When I bow my knee, it's a speak of I humble myself. You know the Jewish outfit? In, in Revelation, it talks about the true church and the false church. And it talks about the, the false church of how it's dressed. And it describes every color, every item the, as the high priest, except for one color, which is the blue color. The outer robe. So the false church or the false or the deceptive church or the deceptive doctrine or gospel is dressed pretty, but it lacks one thing, the blue robe, which represents the Holy Spirit and spiritual heaven. Because there's no it's all about the flesh realm. It's all about the soul realm. It's a false church. Because the Bible says the New Jerusalem was adorned as a bride coming down. You see. These all, all these type and shadows are, are teaching us something. What does a bride do with the bridegroom? Has intimacy. See, if there's no intimacy with the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit, you don't know Him. See, are we old enough to hear what I'm about to say? Or Unless you spend time in intimacy, nothing can get birthed in you. See, what happens? They go to a wedding, they get forced pregnant. She gives birth to a son or a daughter. True? That's the pattern. See, as long as I remain distant from, my, from the Holy Spirit or distant from my Father, or any way you want to put it, if I just want to tick a box and I'm not ready to surrender my heart, no matter how much it's going to hurt, I will never have that intimacy and there will be nothing birthed on the inside of me to complete for God. Unless I spend time with Him and get to know Him. And now some people are at different levels and have been traveling and like through the Lord and you've been... Please, this is not... You know where you're at with God. I don't need to tell you. And you don't impress me on how many people you got saved, which is good. You don't impress me how much scriptures you know, which is good. It tells me how is your intimacy with the Lord. Because in those last days, my gifting is not going to help me out. You know what's going to help me out? My closeness with him, because then I can hear him and he guides my path. Come on. Are you with me? So when the, that servant went out, he was obedient in the flesh realm, but in the Holy Spirit realm, when he comes, he goes, the Bible says he comes to convict the world of sin and of his righteousness and of judgment. 
So the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, is the Holy Spirit God? Uh, yes, He is. But just like Jesus glorified the Father, but He was God in the flesh. But He glorified the Father. I'll do nothing without my Father. Or if you see me, you've seen the Father. The Holy Spirit is glorifying Jesus. Our job as the bride is to radiate so they can say, what's so special about you? My master. Not me, my master. See, the quicker we get out of the way, come on somebody, the quicker we get out of the way and die to self, the quicker Jesus lives in us. See, the more I die, people don't like that word dying to self. How much dying do you have to do? Let me have a look, die a bit more. Why? There's no end to the flesh. No end to, uh, to, to, to my soul. But the spirit man wants to rise up because it's already connected to the Father. It's already seated in heavenly places. See, he wants to pour heaven into me to flow here. But guess what stops me? Not the devil, although he's part of it. Me. Me. I, I remember talking to a guy and he, he was saying, I've never seen like, a single mother raised her children and there was endless, she was endless and tireless and no matter, she could hardly walk, she walked, you know, you've heard the stories, worked five jobs and they never complained once once because they did it for the love of their children. How much more the love for the father? How much for the love of the father? Because you know what? His grace is sufficient for us. We go on, the world is going down without a paddle. Very fast, if you haven't noticed. I sat with a bunch of guys the other day and the stuff that was coming out of their mouth, I said, are you guys saved? I said, are you guys saved? I just, that's just my opinion. But what does the Bible say about your opinion? I go, you guys remind me of the 10 spies. They were Lebanese. So. <laughs> Joking, sorry. See, they go by what they see, and yet Joshua and Caleb went by what God had said. They went by what they saw, and they said, oh, we see ourselves as grasshoppers amongst these giants. Joshua and Caleb didn't deny the fact that they were giants. They just said, but God will win us the victory. See, any opportunity you have to lay down your faith, you'll do it. Oh, but I'm a man of faith. Praise God. Can you stand in the midst of adversity and still stand firm in what God says? Can you stand firm in what God's doing? Can you see beyond the natural? See, I see a lot of things going on in the world and I can see God's hand in every one of them. Praise God. He's sorting out the goats from the sheep. He's separating the goat nations and the sheep nations. He's sorting, uh, i tell you what he's doing. He's sorting out his church. Do you hear that story once where a guy was preaching in some foreign country and and the back door got kicked open and these guys in Balaclavas came in. And said, All right, whoever doesn't want to die for Jesus, get out. Well, the pastor ran out first. The worship leader ran out. Half the ushers ran out. And, and everyone else is there. They took their Balaclavas off. All right, all the hypocrites are gone now. Let's have church. <laughs> so if someone breaks in the door, it's not a, not a trial run. We're not doing that, all right? If someone comes, let's dive, all right? <laughs> But isn't it funny how, that's an extreme case, I wouldn't do that, all right. But isn't it funny how you can know, you know how good an, the oil will be when you crush the olives. Look at these olives, they're mad for oil, crush them, then you'll know how good they are. You'll know how good the wine will be from the grapes when you crush them. See, it's in the crushing, it's in the, in the pressure that you see how good the end product will be. And if you've been crushed, and you've dropped the ball, so to speak. It's not too late to get the ball back up and start walking again. See, it's never too late with Jesus, amen? amen. See, sometimes I, I look back at my life, I mean, I dropped the ball on there, I dropped the ball this, oh, I, but you know what? His mercy is so good every morning. I can get back up and say, Lord, I've I mucked this up. He goes, keep walking, son. You see, it's not about getting knocked down, it's about get up again. A righteous man, what's he do? Falls down seven times, but he keeps getting back up. You see, you're going to have some hard days. You're going to have some tough days. But don't forget the Holy Spirit is walking with you. But we have a, this, 
this victim mentality. Well, if the Holy Spirit is with me, Jesus is with me, why did he let me go through that? True? I can't answer every question. What I can say is he's with me. If God be for me, who can be against me? And I reckon if you look back at your life, I look back at my life and say, hey, what's that, the devil, was that the devil? Then I look back at my life and go, that was me, that was me, that was me. I sowed that seed, I sowed that seed. I, did, I ignored that prompt. I was, you know what, sometimes we look at ourselves and we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, realize, hang on, half our problem is not the devil. I reckon the devil could sue us for defamation. He gets blamed for everything. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> but that's mankind. Adam, what have you done? The woman you gave me, it's your fault. And she goes, what did I do? It was funny, my son said to me the other day, Dad, you know when the enemy came, like the snake, the enemy in the garden said, eat, you won't die, eat from the tree of knowledge good and evil and you'll be like God? He goes to me, why didn't the enemy eat then? That's a good point, son. He's like his dad. You know? <laughs> I couldn't answer it, but... <laughs> it's a good point. You know, the enemy will get you to do things and put things in your head. But I was just saying to the boys just, just before the service, I said, God wants us to get into a place in his presence... Not that you become holier than thou and you're not going to have any problems. That's the life in the pit of hell. That's the gospel of Vaucluse. Uh, but if, I, if the devil can grab handles on you and move you and take you, and move, some people say, I don't know how I got here. Yeah, I do. You allowed him to manipulate you. So I said, you know, the, the Bible says the fiery arrows, they put on the armor of God to the fiery arrows. Don't give him a target. See, there's some things, especially to you young people, there's some things that are very easy. Run away from it and shut it down and throw it out. There used to be a saying when I was doing mechanics when I left school. If, uh, if we weren't sure if this part was the problem, when in doubt, throw it out. Well, sometimes some of you guys need to go throw the phone out. Maybe for a season. Maybe there's phone calls you get, need to block. For a season. Maybe some things you're watching need to be shut off for a season. It may not be evil, but it might be taking your time to understand the intimacy with the Father. Come on. We can all get caught up in life. We all can get caught up. Look at this. I wrote down here. Where did I write it down? I thought I wrote it down. Is that... Um, Thanks, David. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Leave it there. <laughs> My work is ringing me, that's why. <laughs> and I want to encourage you tonight, I think, <laughs> that when God comes through, sorry, <laughs> uh, when, when God comes through, if God comes through, God will come through. When He comes through, what do you do? Do you say, wow? Or do you get on your knee and bow your head and say, thank you, Jesus? Look at the most thankless people on this earth right now. The first thing that the servant did when she came and it was the one for Isaac, he says, then he bowed. The man, because the man, didn't even call him his name, because the man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. A lot of your problems will leave if you know how to lift your hands and worship him. Come on. Because you're, we're very quick to worship our problem. We're very quick to raise our voices to the problem. And we're not very quick to thank him for the solution. Remember, I was going through a rough time. I was in a job site. And I'm walking around the job site going, thank you, Jesus. And the, and the guy, the plumber, the, the guy's working, he goes, I lost it. And this guy's, I just lost it. You know. And he goes, what are you doing? And he goes, and I just wouldn't talk to him. I'm praying in tongues in the job site. Thank you, Jesus. I wasn't trying to show off. I was in the, they followed me. And the next thing I like, I was like the pipe piper. Everyone's watching me go, what's this idiot doing? You know? And can I tell you that you got the, the anointing on you to change the atmosphere of your home, your workplace, your environment, your school. Because not even two days later, I'm on a lift. I'm in the level 31. And a guy saw me talking about the Lord. We just about before we were going to Brazil. He heard something about Brazil. I don't know the guy. Got in the lift and we started talking in the lift. And the guy was broken hearted. By the time we get the loading dock, he was in tears. 
And God was doing a work in his heart. So you can control the atmosphere. See, you might get a problem. See, we've got this issue that we've got a problem and he didn't fix it straight away. That means God's not in it. No, no, God's in it. Just give him time because he wants you to respond to him. See, some things you're going through is to allow you to go through it so you can teach that problem a lesson next time they come. They put Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and that billy goat in the fire to teach the fire a lesson. The flood came and Noah taught the faith taught it a lesson. Why? Because whatever you're going through today, I want to ask you something. Seriously, have you taken it to the Lord? Because most problems come, we take it to our mum, we take it to our brother, we take it to our pastor. We could write a book on how many people have come to us and we're happy to pray, but have you taken that to the Lord yet? Have you even asked him? And that's a question that we need to ask ourselves because the Holy Spirit is the one who gets Rebecca, the bride, which is the type of the church, and they're walking towards the bridegroom that hasn't seen the bridegroom yet, haven't seen where they live, but she's excited and the Holy Spirit is there, the servant teaching her along the way. How good is that that... If you want to know the plan for your life, ask the Holy Spirit. He was there from creation. But we've got this mentality, well, I wish I walked with Jesus. I would have asked him many questions. Well, Peter walked with Jesus and he couldn't understand half the things Paul said. Because some things Paul says are hard to understand. Then Paul throws him off for being a hypocrite. So you can have something in the palm of your hands, but your spirit man is connected to the Father. How about bowing your heart to him and walk with him? You know, it's a simple message I'm preaching here. It's probably you've heard it a million times. But you see this story here that the father, his heart is for his son. His son can't wait to find a bride. And the servant goes and gets the bride. And now they come and they get married and they have children. And from that, they have a, a child and his name is Jacob. And Jacob becomes Israel. And from Israel has the 12 tribes. And out of that, the Lord he has a son named Judah. And Judah has descendants and out of that Mary and Joseph came from Judah and guess what our master our savior our deliverer came from Judah he's the line of the tribe of Judah born in Bethlehem and became the savior of the world and grabbed us all of us and grafted us into Abraham's prosper none of you no one here is a mistake no one's here by accident and no one here is an outcast you are all loved by the father but some of you just have not received it because you keep kicking against the goads. You know a story where Paul, in the, if you read it in when Paul, the Holy Spirit came upon Paul, uh, sorry, Jesus appeared to Paul and he got knocked off his horse. He says, what are you persecuting me? He goes, who are you, Lord? He goes, I'm the one, Jesus Christ, whom you are persecuting. You can't keep kicking against the goads, he says to him. Who knows what a goad is? Neither do I. Let me look it up. Or kicking against the pricks. Ever seen in modern days, you know the cowboy boots have the little spurs at the end? And they kick it. They kick that when they ride the horse, they'll kick the horse if the horse is not um, being obedient. Or the farmers in those days, the, 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 the shepherds would get goads on sticks and they would poke, they'd poke the sheep or poke the, the cattle more to get him back on track. Well, that analogy, he was saying, God was saying to Paul, I've been on your case a long time and it's hard for you to kick against the goads. He was poking at Paul all his life. See, we haven't got any information here about Paul, whether he met Jesus or saw Jesus, but he must have been around the time Jesus was doing all these miracles because Stephen and Peter were all alive at the time, true? So who knows what God was doing to Paul along the way? What's going on here? And he was angry and, he, and, and God was poking him and poking him and poking him. And finally, he threw him off a horse and says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, God, he, God was poking him. This wasn't a one-time event. God was on his case. Do you know that every single one of us, God's been on our case to the day we were born? And if you're honest with yourself, you look back at your life, you see, you'll see God in your life somewhere, somewhere, somehow. Maybe heard the gospel. Maybe saw something. Maybe got convicted. Maybe had a dream. Whatever. He's, you know what? But he needs you. See, getting poked by God is not enough. You need to receive and accept him now. People say to me, oh man, I knew that was wrong, but I just kept doing it. Well, God was poking you. What do you want you to do? I remember I was going to, uh, just tell you, God, I was, there was an issue with um, 
a client of ours who got sued and then he got arrested. And then he went and got done for fraud. And I was one of the witnesses against him. But he was throwing everything on our, us and our people. So I was going to the court one day and I was just driving. I go, how do I end up here with these guys? I'm going in front of a jury. It's, it's a scary thing, you know. And I'm driving. I said, God, man, where are you? You know, just cancel it. Kill him. Do something. <laughs> it's true. I thought I, was, I thought I had a dream he's going to die. That was just me. And I'm driving one day. <laughs> it was a Monday morning. And I'm driving down towards Silverwater Road. And you know those signs? Those digital signs where it says, you know, traffic ahead or, you know, you know girls, you know, sail on at, you know, Aldi's or something, you know, soap, $2.95. Or my sister-in-law brought oil the other day from... KMC for $20 for four litre of that Moroya oil, you know, for the hot chips, you know, that one there. But these signs are every, you, you know which I'm talking about, the digital ones. I'm driving and I'm saying, Lord, please, Lord, man, this is just disaster, just overwhelming, just weight fell upon me, just depression and anxiety and, I go, man, after everything we've been through now, I have to go to court and give tests. And I'm driving and I'm just thinking, in my heart, I'm saying, God, where are you? All of a sudden on that sign, it was going, I don't know what was originally on the sign, an arrow or something. And all of a sudden, the sign goes, I am righteous. On the digital sign. And I looked at it, uh, and I know there's a few churches in that street, so I figured there might be a conference on, but it's Monday morning. And I, on the way home, I, I stopped to see it, and it was like pointing arrows to, you know, turn left here or do that. But on that sign, I saw, I am righteous. On that sign. Spun me out. Because all day I was thinking about that. And I get to the court, this thing goes for a week, and you know, it, it passes, and you know, it's all done and dusted. But at that time, God was showing me something. Now, that's supernatural, I reckon. You know? But God was showing me that he does care. I am going through something. I am going through some pressure, but I am with you. You just keep walking. And I can testify to you every time. You know, I've heard God the loudest in my lowest time. But I learnt one thing, keep on walking. She walked on a journey back to Isaac. And the Bible says she saw him from afar. And she says to him, who is that man? He says, that's my master. He didn't even say to her, that's your husband. He says, that's my master. Hallelujah. Jesus, the Holy Spirit will manifest Jesus. Not to make you and me feel happy. Not to get any glory if we pray for someone and God heals them. He'll say, that's my master. And he'll say, that's Jesus. Come on. He loves you. Everything is about him. And the quicker we can take our, us out of the way and put him, our life will be so much different. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just we'll finally, AJ, you got that? Just quickly. Just some things I want you to take away. Just like the servant, the Holy Spirit goes into the world to seek and retrieve a bride for his son. We are the bride of Christ, people. We are the bride of Christ. Not talking about male or female. Just like someone said, to, you know, how can I be a, a bride of a Christ? I'm a male. Okay, or I'm the bride of Christ just like you're the son of God and you're a female. Let's get the gender out of our head. It's talking about a positional truth. Amen? It's talking about a comparison. What happens with, a, like I said, a husband and a wife, a bride and the bridegroom have intimacy. They give birth to what? Children, children, offspring. God creates a family. God births things into existence. Amen? The Holy Spirit comes to seek and retrieve a bride for his son. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Father on the Son's behalf. What did Jesus say? It's better that I go. Why is it better that you go, Lord? We saw you. We saw you crucified. We saw you die. We saw you rose again. Why is it better? He goes, because if I don't go, the promise won't come. The spirit of truth. He says, it's better that I go. He comes on our behalf, uh, on the son's behalf for us. The third thing, Eliezer, which is the servant, works to fulfill God's covenant with Abraham. So to the Holy Spirit works to fulfill God's covenant with Abraham, to us. Jesus made a covenant at the Last Supper. This is my blood. It's an everlasting covenant shed for you. Every time you do this, you do this in remembrance of me and the bread. This is my body.
that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He made a covenant and he paid for it with his own blood. Holy Spirit will only manifest. That's why if you don't understand the cross, you don't understand the blood of Jesus, you're, just playing, you're playing religion. But by now you should understand it. The work God is doing in us, he will complete. Amen? Amen. Amen. Was there anything else, AJ? Or was that it? He's not mentioned by name in Abraham's name in Genesis 24 because he is an extension, an extension of Abraham himself. He's connected to the master. The two characters are intertwined. So too the Spirit, Holy Spirit's character is intertwined with the Father. Jesus said, I am the Father of one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit cannot be separated. Three different persons, one God intertwined. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to speak of Jesus. Three times in one chapter, we see Eliezer bowing down and worshipping the Lord. The Holy Spirit finds expression in humility, worship, and identity. And the identity is in prayer. Prayer cannot be your shopping list. Prayer cannot be your wish list. Your prayer life could be, is the communication you have with the Father and the Son. That's your prayer life. And we can talk about prayer in different forms, praying in the spirit, you know, confession of the word. But ultimately, when I sit down, I've got to talk to him like I'm real, that he's real. I've got to be real to him. Some of my greatest encounters with the Holy Spirit is been driving my car. Because we get religious. If your heart is in humility, and worship doesn't just mean singing. I put my hand up before the Father. I said, my heart is yours. That's true worship. When you're obedient to what he called you to do, it's true worship. Singing a song is not true worship, although we sing. But true worship is to be obedient. You know what true, the first time worship is ever mentioned in the Bible? When Abraham was going to kill his son. Death is true worship. Every time I say that I'm going to die on myself, it's true worship. You know why? Because then he is exalted in me. God doesn't need someone to bow down He's not insecure. He's not, you know, he's got a complex. You know, they, they better worship me, you know. Fall out the red carpet, yellow. Who's singing next? Worship is for us. What do I mean by that? We worship him so he can exalt us. We exalt him. How can I exalt him? How do I exalt God? He's already exalted. What can I do to make him bigger? You know, I'll bless you, Lord. How can I bless God? What have I got to bless Him? Have you ever thought of that? I think about it every day. But when I exalt Him, I make Him bigger in me. I see Him greater than I've ever seen Him before. If every single one of us today would lift up Him and exalt Him, guess what? Your problems are non-existent anymore. They haven't gone away, but they're non-existent. See, whatever I exalt, well, I'll become. Whatever I worship, I'll become. Whatever I give more, more time to, it'll grow. Come on. That's just basic. Whatever I feed will grow them stronger. But whatever I lay down for his sake, wow. You'll see miracles. Humility. Maybe God is doing a work in you to bring you to your knees. Maybe God's teaching you how to worship. Worship is thanksgiving, prayer, exaltation. But we have to identify with prayer. Because before the servant did anything, even though he made a covenant with Abraham, even though he had the gifts on the camels, even though everything was there, he couldn't touch her free will. But he came in faith and prayed and asked God for favor, and then favor came. And guess the servant did everything for what? For his master. You know, you and I, our life is not our own. We've been bought at a price, and everything I do has to exalt Jesus. Come on, stand up. Come on, stand up. Everything I do, everything you do, has to exalt Jesus. Don't care if you're a CEO of a company or you're a plumber or you're a carpenter, or you're a painter, or you're a football player. It doesn't matter where God's got you, you must exalt Jesus.
He gets all the glory. And if I can understand that, if I get a heart of thanksgiving, you start to change your heart. Then your mind starts to change. Then you start walking in a different, different authority. You start thinking, man, like my heart is, is not, you know, I don't get offended as much. I don't get upset as much. Or I'm not looking for a problem. You sit with people, they're looking for a problem. Because, man, this is not normal. Go, Why? What's wrong? Because I've got no problems at the moment. I'm just waiting for something to happen. Because you're a stupid. God's blessed you and you're looking for problems. Because trust me, brother, they're coming. In this world, you will have troubles. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he's strengthening your heart. He's strengthening your heart. We're coming into the time there. We're getting bombarded. We're bombarded. No matter where you go, you're getting bombarded with the enemy's attacks. But you know what? <laughs> Come, because I'm standing firm. I've got the gospel. I've got the blood. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I've got the Holy Ghost. He controls things. He lifts up and he brings down. Nothing's ever happened on this earth that God is not aware of. But he's waiting for his church, his bride to rise up. His bride that will go and pay a price. To, a, a price that she's willing to pay for the family. See, there's people are not in this room that are going to come one day. They're going to be part of our family. And they're out there lost in the world. All of us here could testify to that. But Jesus is on the throne. And the Holy Ghost is walking with us. We're on that journey. We're not where we want to be yet, are we? But we're on that journey. Don't kick against the goads. Don't kick against God. Don't say, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Jesus first, amen. Jesus first. Jesus first, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the great Holy Spirit. That from today on, we don't take him for granted. We don't grieve him. We don't blaspheme him. We don't ignore him. We don't, have, don't get familiar with him, but we exalt the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, the work you started in us, you will complete. So Lord, we surrender our hearts to you again. When you think you've died enough, die a little bit more. When you think you've humbled enough, humble yourself a little bit more. When you think you've thanked Him enough, thank Him more. Because your grace is sufficient. Just like you came looking for us. I never found God. You never found God. He found us. He came looking for us. Lord, I thank you for today that every individual here would leave here today to know you a little bit more, to understand you a little bit more, to surrender their life a little bit more, to love you a little bit more. For perfect love casts out all fear. Lord, your love bestowed upon us that you pour your love upon us. It's not about what I do for you. It's about what you've done for me. It's not what I can give you, but it's what you have gave me. And in return, Lord, I give you my life. We declare that Jesus is Lord over our life. The Holy Spirit will not move outside the Word. You are the Word that became flesh. And we thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you have never left us nor forsaken us. I thank you, Father, that young and old will understand you even more. See, it's never too late to grow in the things of God, to press into the things of God. We may have missed the mark sometimes, but get back on that road. Look to, upon Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the beginning and the end. So, Lord, I give you all the glory tonight. I thank you for your wonderful grace. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, yeah, you've shopped around, you've looked around, you've poked around, but, and you've been kicking against the goats, you've been kicking against him. But tonight is the night of your salvation. Do not leave here tonight without him. Because we're not promised another minute. 
We're not promised another second on this earth. But He has a promise of salvation for those who would give their life to Him. He says, if you repent and receive Him as your Lord and Saviour, repent means to change your mind, to, 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 to turn around and look upon Him. He'll wash you of your sin. He'll cleanse you of your unrighteousness. And He'll lift you up and put you in the clove of righteousness, in His family, seated next to Him. This is the Father's will that no one perish, but all have everlasting life. And I thank you, Father, for those who do not know you that will come to you now. Touch them, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You have free reign in this church. You have free reign in our families. You have free reign in our hearts. And we give you all the glory. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Give you all the glory. Magnify the name of Jesus. He is the name above every name. And we give you all the praise. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Some people, it's time to get off the fence. Some people stop talking about it and start doing it. Some people need to receive it. Whatever the Lord's doing in your heart, you must allow Him to finish the work. Hallelujah. We give you all the praise. And we thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. He's so good, man. Don't let what you're going through, don't let the obstacles, don't let the pressure, don't even let, don't even let your spouse or your, or your family keep pressing on to the, to the mark. Let that work that God started, let Him complete it. But let you know that how much He loves you. God doesn't reveal things in your life to hurt you. He reveals it to heal you. Seeing people run away from God... God's doing a mighty work in them. God starts to touch a nerve in their heart. I can't deal with this and they run. Then they come back and they run and they come and they never get to the place. They never get to the promised land. But don't do that. Allow God to do the work He's completed in you. Amen? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a clap. Amen. Before you go, just a reminder. 17th of December. So we're having a, a Christmas pageant or a Christmas concert with the kids and we're having a, a fellowship meal here. So some people aren't on an app, some people don't know Facebook or things like that, but just want to encourage you to pass it on. You're more than welcome. If you want to bring a dish, um, bring me some Znodasit or Knefi, I'm happy for you to bring that for me. But if not, if you want to contribute towards it, there'll be food here, so there'll be... Uh, what happened? Yeah, that, that one there on the 17th. And then on the 20th, which will be our last one, reps, is our, the 20th on the Wednesday. We're going to have a, a, the Wednesday night will be just a worship night. And for those who, baptisms, I'll speak to the reps, we'll work that one out too. We're going to work it. It's a lot happening early, but I know some people are waiting for us, so we're going to get that organized. We'll, we'll make that work. Um, but it's the 17th of December. Bring your families, bring friends, whatever. Uh, bring a dish if you can. Um, and we'll have a great time in the Lord. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God.